This morning we've got a visiting young man from the Tri-City School of Preaching. Dustin Tinsley is a first-year student. This is his first time to preach. We've had quite a few young men first time to preach here. Wesley Simons was one of them. <laughs> uh, he's actually from up the road here at Decatur, Tennessee. And he did the Bible class this morning, did an excellent job, and uh, had good discussion. We don't get that normally. <laughs> so come on, Dustin, and speak to us. Good morning, everybody. This morning, I will be talking about Abraham's surrender. And before I do that, just very briefly, I would like to personally thank all of y'all. Um, y'all have been supporting me as I go to the Tri-City School of Preaching, and I'm very grateful for that um, and the opportunity that it has given me to go there and learn what I have and have the ability to be here this morning and preach to y'all. So I hope I do good. Now, Abraham's surrender. What does it mean to surrender? To surrender means to yield to the power of another or to give up possession of something upon compulsion or demand. To, relinqu to relinquish, to give up something completely. The key is submission. We must all surrender to God, to yield to his power, to relinquish the sinful life, and to submit to him. We sang the song just a little bit ago. All to Jesus I surrender. But do we mean it? A person who believes that he can give one-tenth of his material goods and give one day a week to the Lord does not know what it means to surrender all. Abraham was a man who knew how to surrender all. Usually when we think of Abraham surrendering, we immediately think of Isaac. However, he surrendered so much more than just in being willing to give his son. Abraham surrendered his country. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 says, let me flip to it here. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. So God called Abraham out of his country, out of his homeland. And many people don't know, but from his homeland to where he was led was a distance of over 1,300 miles. That's a pretty great distance to give up your homeland and to travel so many miles 
to follow the will of God. Now, we have to ask ourselves, would we be willing to pack up our lives, leave our homeland, and travel such a great distance to follow the will of God? We all need to have that willingness. Perhaps none of us will ever have to make that call and pack up and leave. But we all need to be willing. Christianity has never been a very rooted in one place religion. It has always been a go out into the world, travel, go spread the word to all the world. It has never been a set up a church and stay in this location, stay to yourselves. It's always go out into the world. Abraham had this willingness to pack up and leave as we see in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. He didn't even know where he was going, yet he had this willingness to pack up and leave at the call of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. We must have that same willingness to surrender our country if we want any hope of heaven. As Peter would say, we are strangers and sojourners here we can find this in First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. Which says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when, you speak against, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So as sojourners and pilgrims, this world is not our home. <clears throat> and we are only here for a short time but many people feel that this world is their home. They want to make the most of their earthly home, their earthly lives. They want to live it up, enjoy everything that the world has to offer. 
But we know that we cannot do that. We must abstain from the fleshly lusts. We must not get too attached to this world. For our life is as a vapor. It's here one minute and gone the next. And then it is eternity, either above or below. And I believe we all want to go above. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We must not love this world. If we love this world more than we love God, we will be sadly disappointed when the end of time comes. For we will not have that eternal rest that is promised to us, but rather eternal condemnation. We read in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Are we eagerly waiting? Or are we passing our time here on earth, enjoying the things that this world has to offer. We need to be waiting and watching for Jesus rather than waiting on the things of this world. Abraham also surrendered his kinship, his relatives, You remember in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. We must surrender our families. It may be hard. I know that many people, they do not want to move away from their relatives. They want to be close to their relatives. However, sometimes we must surrender our family ties to do God's will. Matthew chapter 10, verses 35 through 37 says this. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
there are many instances and many people who would say that family is the most difficult to try to convert, very most difficult to try to do anything with. They can be your greatest enemies. And this makes me think of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They, his sons, were taking of the fats of the meat offerings, and they were taking what was not theirs. They were making the men of Israel hate sacrificing by their actions. And they were being lewd with the women at the gates of the tabernacle. Eli found out about it, and he went to his sons, these priests who should know better. He went to them, and he tried to change their minds. However, they would not repent. And Eli had the responsibility as a priest to punish his sons. Their crimes were punishable by death. However, he did not punish his sons. He loved his sons more than he loved God. And it came back in the end to be against him. In First Samuel, in the third chapter, we see God talking to Samuel and telling him that Eli and his sons were in one day going to be killed and his family cut off from the priesthood. And in chapter 4, we see this coming to be so. As they went out to fight the Philistines, they brought out the Ark of God, and the Philistines defeated Israel, slew Hophni and Phinehas, took the Ark, and the news of such got back to Eli. He had, I believe it was a heart attack or stroke, he fell over backwards and broke his neck and died by him putting his sons before God he brought all this misery and pain on himself and on his family and lost the priesthood for his entire family so you can see sometimes our worst enemies are our family members. You can think of Jezebel and Ahab, of Solomon's wives to himself, of Absalom to David. And sometimes we will let our love for our family keep us from doing God's will. We will... <clears throat> say that we don't want to 
bother them with the gospel, trying to convert them because it will upset them. Well, if we really love them, we will tell them the truth. We will, even if it upsets them, we will tell them the truth and try to convert them. Because if we do not tell them the truth, we do not do God's will. We do not truly love them because we're condemning them to eternal condemnation otherwise. Unless they find someone else who will teach them. So we must surrender our families. We must put God first above all else. And Abraham also surrendered his own wisdom and judgment. This is probably one of the hardest things for people to do, honestly. They like to have their own say in things. They like to rely on their own wisdom. They like to think that they can make the right judgments for them and for their future. They do not like putting their life and their decisions into the hands of someone else. And although some of the decisions that we must make based on God's will may not make sense to us and our limited understanding, we must realize and trust that all things that God asks of us are always in our best interest. You may remember that the Greeks thought that the message of the cross and of Jesus was foolishness. And often that is how people feel about Christianity. They feel that it is foolishness because they lack the understanding to see that it is actually in our best interest everything that God asks of us. But people do not want to give up on their own wisdom, their own judgments. However, Abraham did. We see in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, as we read before, by faith when Abraham <clears throat> was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. How many of us, if we were asked to leave our homeland and travel thousands of miles away with no idea of where we were going, how would we feel about that? If we didn't know that it was for our own good and we didn't trust the person who was sending us, we would probably think it was pretty foolish. We wouldn't want to go. However, Abraham trusted in God, he had faith in God, and knew that he was leading him to something better, and he followed him.
another instance where something may not have made sense, yet they did it anyway. In Numbers chapter 21 and verse 8, we find the fiery serpent... And this verse says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. Now, if you didn't trust God, you didn't have faith in God's power, you would probably think, What is this serpent, this brazen serpent, going to do to save us? If you had no faith, it would be foolishness. But if you surrender your judgment and trust in God's judgment like they did, they were saved from these vipers that were plaguing them. So we see we must not rely on our own judgment and trust in God. Abraham also surrendered his personal privilege in the interest of peace. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 7 through 11, And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. We see Abraham here surrendering his choice for the land. He gave Lot the choice of the land to bring about peace between them. And sometimes we have to surrender our lot rights for the greater good of things. Now we come to the one we know very well. Abraham surrendered his son. We know that Isaac was one of Abraham's most prized possessions because he was born from his barren wife. They did not think that they would be able to conceive She, even if I remember correctly, laughed at the thought 
or of a suggestion that she would have a child. Yet, they had Isaac. They were advanced in age. They were, she was barren, and they had a child, thanks to God. And we see that God asked of a great deal from Abraham, and not a deal in a good way, but we read in Genesis chapter 22, in verse 2, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This, as you can imagine, must have been a very hard commandment. To finally have the son that they were longing for. And now God is asking him to take his son and to sacrifice him. I can't even imagine how hard that must have been to even consider that. But Abraham had faith in God. He knew that it would all work out to his better. If he could give them a son one time, he could do it again. Some people think that baptism is a hard commandment. Some people think that attending services is a hard commandment. We have to ask ourselves, how much would we be willing to give to God? In comparison to sacrificing our beloved child, how hard is baptism really? How hard is attending services really? How hard is giving more time to the Lord and giving of our possessions? Abraham was willing to give. Abraham surrendered more than the rich young ruler that we find in Mark chapter 10, verses 21 through 22. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack... Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. We see this rich young ruler. Oh, sorry, I missed a verse here. But he, had, he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We see here this rich young ruler... He came to Jesus asking what he yet lacked. And Jesus tells him to go and sell all of his possessions. From verse 22, we see that he had great possessions. He had many things. And he was not willing to part with them to follow Jesus. So he goes away sad 
at this word. We must not be like this rich young ruler. We must not be so attached to our possessions that we cannot follow after God. Abraham was not so attached, well, he was very attached to his son, but he was willing to give his son to God. Abraham surrendered to God's will. In Luke chapter 24, in verse 22. Sorry, that's not where I was wanting to go. John chapter 7, verse 17. Sorry about that. And that says, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If we are to surrender to God's will, to do God's will, we should know His doctrine. We should know what we must do to follow Him. And we must surrender and submit to His will. Abraham submitted to God's will by leaving his homeland, by leaving his country, by leaving his kindred by going to sacrifice his son. Are we willing to submit to God's will to that extent? Are we willing to go out and spread the word? Are we willing to attend services and do the things that we know we need to do Abraham surrendered his affections. As much as Abraham <clears throat> loved Isaac, he loved God more. The New Testament teaches that we must likewise do the same thing. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, says he who loves the father or mother he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me we can think back to Eli and his sons if he had surrendered his affections and he had loved God more than his sons they would not have he would not have put his family in such a bad situation 
you can think of Samuel. His sons also turned out more or less bad, but not to the same extent as Eli's sons. He, of course, loved God more than his own sons. And we must also be willing to love God more than our sons, our daughters, our family. We must put God first. Abraham surrendered his doubts. I'm sure he had some doubts when God called him to come out of his homeland and travel to somewhere he did not know. Yet he had faith. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 22. It says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives you life to the dead or who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as those as though they do, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he becomes the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. We all have doubts from time to time, but we must be willing to surrender these doubts and have faith in God and trust in God. As I said, everything that he wills us to do is in our best interest. It is for our good. Consider these characteristics of faith. Believed in hope against hope. Not weak in faith, staggered not through unbelief, strong in faith, and he was fully persuaded. We see Abraham surrendering doubts and having faith in God to lead him to something better. And the last one Abraham surrendered without hesitation. 
Genesis chapter 22 and verse 3, we see something quite amazing. He had just received the command to go to the mountain and sacrifice his son. Now, if we had received that command, we might want to hesitate a little bit. We might get up kind of late in the afternoon or late in the morning. However, we see that Abraham did not do that. He did not hesitate. Chapter 22 and verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for a burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. He did not hesitate. In fact, he got up early to go. We need, in our lives, also not to hesitate. If we hesitate to talk to others, to try to convert others, that hesitation will lead to more hesitation, and then it may be too late. Life is short, very short. We are here, and we can be gone in the next minute, the next second, the next hour. We don't know. Nobody does. A hesitation on our part could result in somebody being lost that we could have saved, that we could have talked to. We must surrender that hesitation. Although it will be difficult sometimes and we may be uncomfortable, we must not hesitate to take action to do God's will. So in conclusion, we must surrender to God. I pray that we all surrender to God and do His will, submit to Him, and yield to His power. And in order to do that, we must be saved. You have already heard the, or you have already done the first act of the plan of salvation. You have heard the message. If you are not a Christian, you must now also believe. John chapter 8, verse 24. And once you believe, you must repent of your sins to turn away, literally turn from your sins Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. You must confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross to redeem mankind. Matthew chapter 10 verse 32. And you must be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And many people believe that is the end game. I tell you, that is just the beginning of your Christian walk of life. We must remain faithful unto death. And that, my friends, is the hardest part 
We will face persecution. We will face doubt. We will face many things. But we must not give up on that hope of eternal salvation. Revelations chapter two, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. And if you are a Christian and you have fallen away, you have slipped into sin, you must repent of your actions and pray for forgiveness. Acts chapter 8, verse 22. Thank you for your time, and thank you for listening.